Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, a man who may be buying a Marvel v. Capcom tabletop machine, despite him shaking his head at me right now, Lavender Grooms. <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. Sorry for missing last week, so I got to double it up for you guys up. Uh, Mm. For October third, it was uh, happy a week uh, a week late. Happy happy global smoothie day. I actually just had a smoothie about twenty minutes ago. Oh, look, Bobby's having a smoothie himself. It's having a what dinner do you put in your smoothie, Bobby? Do you ha- do you have a go to smoothie? I kind of just made this shit up right now. It was just protein, spinach, almond butter, almond milk, and some berries. All right. Right, you know, the berries uh probably the berries are carrying a lot of shit. weight. The berries are carrying yeah, a lot yeah. of weight flavor wise. Let me tell you that. If not, it just tastes like almonds. <laughs> For me, my go-to smoothie is lactate milk because regular milk destroys your boy. Mm-hmm. Banana, frozen berries, about five ice cubes because your boy mm-hmm. likes it kind of cold. I got that in right? here too. Yeah. Some peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling frisky and I've done, you know, grocery shopping in the last week, you know, a little Greek yogurt. So, like, kind of what I'm doing, but, you know, is peanut butter and lactate instead. And yeah. (laughs) And also today, I wish you guys all a happy National Metric Day. That's right. Mm. Do not honor Indigenous Peoples Day on this podcast, because let me tell you, you're all on notice. Okay. No, no, no. No, we I'm done. Let me, let me rant. It's People's Day. Let oh, me, okay. Yeah. You know what? I've rant to enough people. Okay. Yeah. If we don't get sports gambling in California, because okay. enough of you have lied to people and spent enough money to convince them that mothers are against gamble sports gambling. Let me tell you, they let me vote later on. They let me bring it up, put on the proposition next time. Do you want to bring back Columbus Day? I will vote for that. All right. I'm just saying. All right, let's let, let's let's act right. <laughs> and fuck Christopher Columbus. All right, mm-hmm. and all of these Italians saying, "Oh, he's our hero. He's our hero." Hey, how about we go back about six hundred years? Y'all motherfuckers didn't even want to claim him. He had to go to the Spanish Queen to get some boats. <laughs> we just lay airing our grievances early in the podcast. Quite frankly, um, so what is that? What is today's holiday, Mike? Again. Oh, it is Happy National Metric Day. Right. The system we don't use. <laughs> you know what, man? As someone That's who's, uh, you know, Mark, now that I've taken baking on as a hobby in the last year or so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all, that is, that, I, just give me grams. All right. That's it. I just need to know grams. Whatever you're trying to get me to do, give me grams. <laughs> Pardon it's me. It's a good system. Hey, man, but we haven't adopted good... it, so. it. The English oh, are like also, half committed also to very, it. Also very Which useful, one? very useful for weed. Yeah. Really, you want to be accurate with your measurements. Grams. My, Mike's also interested in grams. All right. Um, all right, folks. Um, 
Man, I was real excited. I thought this was the week of UFC 280. I thought we were going to be talking about Charles Oliveira, Islam Mahachev. We thought we were going to be talking about Aljamain and uh, and TJ throwing down. I, the first thing I saw this morning was that video of Aljamain and Peter Yan both arriving to Abu Dhabi at the same time, saying hi to each other. And I was like, I like this, you know, for a sportsman. And I was like, it must be this week. No, not for another week. Instead, we got the pride of, I think, Tijuana. I shouldn't have committed to this. Alexa Grasso taking on. All right. I'm totally wrong. She is from Jalisco. My girlfriend's also from Jalisco. I should have paid attention to this. Taking on Vivian Arujo, who is from Brazil. Or is it, is it Arujo or Arujo? Anybody know? I don't know. My Portuguese no, no, is we actually know. Bad. We actually know who this fighter is. He's a good fighter. It's a sad part. I'm just not sure on how to say her last name. Um, yeah, main eventing over at the Apex. Um, hopefully this one won't be weird because the last one was uncomfortable. All right. Zuck, as our podcast title last week told you, Zuckerberg made it weird. All right. Zuck's wife, Zuck's wife, man, like, yo, know what you're getting into. She out here looking all horrified and shit. I mean, she's a medical doctor. She's out there being like, am I here to like, do they have a doctor? Am I needed? Should I tell them that the need of the head is not good for this person's health? Yeah. Miss uh, Priscilla Chan there was not uh, was not thrilled with the proceedings. But Marcus, as far as we know, this one, we're going to have, uh, you know, all 20 of those fans or 100. How many people fit in that thing? A, a hundred, a thousand, somewhere? Yeah, you know, it seems like a hundred people. I'd say about a hundred maybe. Um, so um, we are, uh, let's just fucking talk about it right now, huh? Might as well, because the Why biggest not? story... I mean, well, everything bigger is coming out afterwards. Let's just talk about it right now. Alexa Grasso, Vivian Arujo, Alexa, down at flyweight. She is 3-0. and Is she getting a title shot if she wins this, Mark? Uh, I mean, it's definitely within the cards. I think this is up there. I don't know what the rankings are. Here's the thing. I was about to look up the at? rankings. Does it mm-hmm. matter in this weight class when the champion has murder, death, killed everybody? I mean, it just at least paints a picture yeah let's see so, this is what we got at flyweight we got number one caitlin chukasian lost nope mm-hmm. uh number two talia santos the closest anybody's gotten was talia right mm-hmm. she yeah, she really had valentina on the ropes so but i'm presuming she needs to win a fight maybe before they book it again maybe we'll find out uh lauren murphy she lost jessica mm-hmm. Andraz, she lost this is number five alexa grasso versus number six viviana oh. rujo so let's just say oh, the winner's oh, getting oh. a title shot that's what's happening here um, unless we get the fight we all, well, at least I wanted, which is Valentina, Amanda three, but no reason to think that right now. So Grasso coming in on three straight wins. Arujo got that wonderful one fight win streak going, but she's won three of four. And that lost is to Caitlin Chukasian, which probably shouldn't have Caitlin, Caitlin fight people who you want to fight for the title. She's kind of the, uh, very high level gatekeeper there. Um, Grasso's looked honestly very good since going to flyweight. Wins over uh, Ji Yoon Kim, Macy Barber, and she finished JoJo. Uh, I keep want to say Calderwood. JoJo Wood, uh, in under one round back in March on the Blades Daukus card. Um, I is this her first main event? I think. I mean, I know it's a small card. Uh, Grasso. Yes, so. yes, it is. So I don't think we've ever seen her go five before. Not in this no. company, at least. I don't think she ever had to go five in 
Invicta either. No. Um, I mean, so, it seems like a lot of her decisions even there. Did she not have the belt? I don't think she was. Cha- was she never? No. Did, she, did they pull her out no. before she was champion? I guess so. Yeah, because it does not look like she ever held that belt. So, okay. yeah, she, this, she did have a main event, but in Invicta. Yeah, that was yeah, against Jody, uh, mm-hmm. against Mrs. Keith Jardine, Jody uh, Esquibel. Um, mm-hmm. I watched that one. She carved her up. It was impressive. Um, all right, Viviana Rujo also um, coming off that win over Andrea KGB Lee. Winners getting a title shot. The betting odds for this one, I have now closed. Does anybody have it in front of them? Negative. Uh, All right, I got Grasso it now. Here we go. DraftKings, okay. minus 205 to, for Grasso to Vivian's plus 175. On FanDuel, plus, minus 1215 to plus 164. To on my random sportsbook I use, I didn't look. So um, we haven't done this in a bet, it feels like. We're doing like one fight here or there, man. We haven't had a proper. Next week, we're going to have a proper picks thing, man. We're going to have like seven fights, honestly. Um, I got, I, I'll go. I'm in first, right? By like one game? Uh, Yeah, basically, the standings remain the same because we all picked Dern back on September 27th. Uh, My Bobby one or two. Is, oh, you're still one. Um, I thought, I, don't know, picked, I mean, am I up one or two we games? All pick, we all picked Dern. No, I mean, so. How many oh, games? You're two games up. Okay. So. 53 and 24 for Bobby and uh, 51 and 26 for the rest of us. I've really penciled in next week as when it comes off the rails for me because I'm pretty confident I'm the only one taking Aljamain Sterling just right now. Just in my head, I'm pretty confident about that. And uh, I don't know how many of you are taking Oliveira either. (laughs) That's why I think tomorrow for next week it falls apart. I got Alexa Grasso here. I think... We UFC has wanted her to be a thing for a while, and I think we're there. Um, I don't think she necessarily can beat the champion, but I think she can win this fight. I think she's, I don't know if we're going to go all five just because neither has gone five. So a lot of times you get a later take TKO, but she's looked good. Alexa's, I think, didn't Alexa have a, uh, she missed weight uh, at one point back in that one, she was fighting at 115. 115 looked like a bit of a struggle for her. 125, she's really coming to her own. I think I think she's going to look strong. She's going to look good. And I think she's going to win um, against a pretty good fighter uh, in Vivian. But I got I got Alexa Grasso. Uh, Mark, who do you got? Uh, I'm going with Alexa, too. I, I do think it'll probably go decision. Um, it does seem like Vivian, that's kind of been her streak for the majority of her fights. And I think Grasso, too, except for her last fight, when she's moved up to 25, she's gotten mostly decisions. Um, I just see them kind of pacing themselves and it being a, kind of a technical fight. But I do think Grasso is going to be maybe a little sharper on the feet. Um, and she's made some you know big strides in the, in the wrestling and the grappling, too. So I, I think, she, you know, on paper, I think she should win. I think she's going to win. Maybe not the most exciting fight, but, you know, a technical fight where I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went the decision and there was some controversy because I, I could see the rounds being fairly close, but I think Alexa is going to pull it off. Mikey, what do you got, buddy? You know, amazingly, I've always thought of Grasso as having a real big weight problem, but looking at just the her, one time. <laughs> yeah. She only missed weight once. I, for some reason thought she missed th- weight like she three looked, or four times. I think she looked uh, um, honestly for me, I'll be honest. I feel do you, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and blame the UFC while also blaming myself. The UFC can only market women like two diff, two or three different ways. And I definitely conflated her with Mackenzie Dern. In that this is the 
cute brunette. We're going to push this right now. That's just mine. That's just me. I think I did that because in my head, maybe she looked a little shaky at another way in Mike, but I thought it was worse than one too. When I was looking, I yeah. thought we were like, this woman's got an issue like, but no. So yeah, I thought it was Wait, worse. Mackenzie, Mackenzie definitely missed weight a few times. Like, two, like at least twice. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it's just Grasso just maybe looked like grim death on some of her weigh-ins and maybe yeah. that's what stuck with us. But back to the, to the fights pick. Um, she doesn't have many finishes. Um, she seems to be a fighter that's when she does get a victory, she's able to just do enough to, to win out on points. It'll be interesting to see what she looks like in a five round fight. I don't think she's ever really had that much of an issue with, uh, with her gas tank, but it'll be interesting to see what she looks like moving up to, to main event cardio. I still think she'll have enough to get it done, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what she brings to this fight. And as we mentioned, chalk is for uh, is for Ms. Grasso as well. Um, the other one we're picking, we're not picking this one. Let me just get, talk about the co-main event, but I'm pretty interested in it just because I think we're all fans of Cub Swanson. I think it's hard not to be a fan of Cub Swanson because he's throwing down. You know, like you never wonder <laughs> did Cub have anything left in this one. Um, but I'm a new weight class at age 38 going down. Um, I'm coming off of a win too, by the way. And quite frankly, he's won three or four. I don't really know why he's doing this. Marcus, am I being honest? Bantamweight seems like he's. I never got the impression Cub was a small featherweight. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. What do you think of the move? I mean, we've seen this a lot when guys are getting, you know, older you know, in their career, later in their career, having to make these kind of pivots. I haven't really looked at his record to see where he was, but I don't remember him thriving particularly. Um, I mean, I he's won, he's, he hasn't fought a lot. He's won three or four, but like <laughs> when I say three or four, the first one, like one in 2019, one in 2020, and two in 2021. So, you know, when was the last time he lost? Um, he lost to Giga Chikadze in May of 2021, and then he beat Darren Elkins in December of that year. Okay, so he was coming off a, a win. Yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of remember that Elkins fight a little bit, but I mean, yeah, it's it's a little surprising, yeah, because I also didn't. It didn't seem like he could. I mean, it wasn't like at forty five he was completely like shredded, but he always seemed kind of big for forty five. You know, he seemed kind of tall and a little bit lengthy. So thirty five did seem. I wasn't really thinking that would be the move he would make, but fifty five, he's probably way too small. So. I don't know. It, it, it's it's peculiar, but we'll see how he does. And, you know, we have seen some guys move down and, and succeed, but it's going to be tough. You know, 35 is, you know, a talent-rich division, as we've talked about multiple times, and those guys are fairly fast. So it's going to – it'll be interesting to see how he performs, if the extra potential weight and strength will play to his advantage. Um, we'll see. It's it's an interesting move for sure. Um. Yeah, and he's taken on uh, unranked, but quite frankly, pretty tough, Jonathan Martinez. So we'll see. I think Jonathan is seven and three since coming over to the UFC. Um, he's still only twenty eight years old. Uh, training out of uh, Factory X. Um, but yeah, he is yeah seven and three since joining the UFC. So not an easy, not a cupcake one for uh, Mister Swanson. All right, the other fight we're picking, and quite frankly, the reason this card is really. Got my attention is Brandon Royville versus Askar Oskarov. Um, we're talking about in Royville. Uh, Royville is currently ranked number five in the UFC. 
Number four is Askar Oskarov. This whole division is a little bit like, I don't want to say stuck, but like we've had the same two dudes fight for the belt. We're now going on the fourth time. In the middle, we had a uh, interim title fight with uh, Kaikara France, um, who's currently ranked number three. I don't know what necessarily what they're fighting for here, Marcus, especially when we have Pantoja's number two. And I think everybody mm-hmm. recognizes Pantoja is the. I mean, he's he just he's beaten Royville. He's beaten Alex Perez. The only one he hasn't beaten is he lost to Oscar Oscar. But right now, I mean, right. he's right there. So it's coming up. I mean, with I, think, wins. I think if you look at these guys records, you see the potential issues in this weight division is there is a lot of talent. Um, it's hard for anyone to really get that long win streak to really solidify themselves. You look at Askarov, who just lost to Kaikar France, so that knocked him down, but he beat Alexander uh, Poteja, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big feather in his cap. He drew with uh, Moreno a while ago, and then you look at Brandon, and he beat Kaikar France, mm-hmm. and, you know, so it is this issue where, like, none of these guys seem to be able to really rattle off this huge win streak, which makes it, like, you can't deny them that mm-hmm. they are like deserving of the next shot. So these two guys at the very top tend to keep fighting each other. And, you know, it also just so happens that like the fights have really produced, they've all been pretty exciting. So I think it's been easy for the brass to be like, well, we'll just do it again. You know, and it, it, with the trilogy, it was like, okay, we need to figure out who who's actually the best one. And, mm-hmm. and now coming on the fourth one, it just seems like, well, no one else has really stuck themselves to really be the number one contender. So let's roll it back, I guess, a fourth time, which I, I'm not even necessarily against, but yeah, no, know. also because I think a lot of us think it's gonna be a fifth time coming too at some point. Just the way those two guys match up. Mm-hmm. Um all right, uh we got Oscarov coming in at minus two forty, Brandon Royville coming in at plus two hundred, Oscar Bullet, Oscarov, Brandon Raw Dog Royville. Um, that's why I, when Mike gets a little like sleepy on the podcast, I got to drop something like that on there for him. Just his eyes to pop up a little bit. Um, I, I'm picking Oscar. I'm pick, I, I honestly was really impressed when Kai beat him. Kai beat him. Cause I thought we were just, we were marching towards like every weight class had a Dagestani coming. And I'm like, well, that's, that's the one in this weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I'm going to pick him. I don't like that. I mean, he's coming off a loss. And the fight before that, he missed weight. So we got like, mm-hmm. not two losses, but like, there's just two boxes have been checked here. You know what I mean? Like, there's two issues here. Don't like that trend. Um, Brandon's a really good fighter. And that Schnell fight, I'm not sure you remember it, Mark, but we definitely talked about how, like, that might be mm-hmm. a fight of the year right there. Like, how incredible it was. Um yeah, I got I got Oskarov taking this one though. I think he's gonna get a decision. I think he's gonna make she's gonna make sure he wins this. Like he's in front of no crowd. Let all eighty people there boo if you have to. Fucking take this guy down at will. You know, just get, make sure you get out of this with a win. Because he did. Did he have a, he had a win over Pantoja? You said right or? Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he has a win over yeah. Pantoja. He's. I think he puts himself at the top of that pile if he wins mm-hmm. this one. I think. I think he's right. I think he's there. So yeah, that's what I got. Uh, Mike, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Askarov here. Um, quick question. Is Dagestan its own country that's associated with Russia, or is it just a part of Russia? I think it's not truly independent. I'm going to you know, I'm gonna not sound like a dumbass. I'm going to look this up while you're explaining your pick. 
Uh, yeah, so I'm going with Oskarov. Os I think he's just going to have the, the better wrestling and be able to eke out a decision. It is a Russian republic. Republics are administrative dis divisions originally created as nation states. You played enough civ civilization. There you go. Yep, nation yep. states to represent areas of non-Russian ethnicity. All right, I got you. You're good enough to pay taxes to Russia. You're not good enough to be called Russian. All right, there we go. That's what we're going with here. Um, Marcus. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. Uh, Askar, I think, was you know one of the, the top runners. I think the loss to Kaikara France was you know a little bit of a roadblock because uh, easily if he would have won that fight, I think he would have been fighting for the belt. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounced back from that uh, loss. But yeah, I do think Askar is kind of potentially, you know, a future title contender, if not holder. I think he has all the skill sets uh, to be really a lot of trouble for a lot of the guys in the division. Um, whereas Brandon, I think he's a really exciting fighter, but we've have seen him in the past, like when he's faced, you know, some of the better competition, he hasn't fared as well. It, that being said, he did finish Kaikar France. Um, but he lost to Moreno. He lost to um, Alexander. So just looking at those numbers, you know, I'm going to play it safe and pick Askar. But I also it, think stylistically it's it hard. can be a difficult fight for him. Yeah, It's hard to be the most exciting fighter and then also be the best fighter. It's hard to do both of those things. Oh, sure. You eventually got to – you're playing a dangerous game when you are. You know, you're the Robbie Lawler champion, you know, where it's just like any moment this could fall apart. We're having a good time, but any moment this could fall, fall apart. We've seen the opposite, though. Um, if you call back to like Chris Lytle, you know, mm. like when he decided to be a little bit more reckless and go after a little bit more, he he did better in his career. So there there is kind of a pivot where you can try to play it safe. But I feel too, if your skill set isn't so high, if you're just trying to edge out on points, you might get you know technically mastered by someone who's a little better. I think, I think you got to recognize is. who you are maybe and be like, I mm -hmm. think like what I'm talking about is really like, I think you can't be that guy and be the best. I think it's very difficult to be the champion while also being the guy who's like, I'm going to risk a bunch of shit out there. You know, I, you don't see it as, I think it's at least hard to have a sustained title reign in that way. Uh, well, yeah, I think we, we've seen that the guys that really have been able to hold the belt um, have developed their skill set to be less risk taking and use you know their high skill level to outpoint their you look at Izzy, GSP, a lot of these guys maybe played it safer in their career, but that's at the point where it's like, well, I'm building a legacy. I just need to get W's. I don't need to win fans over anymore. I have the belt. I'm the guy they need to beat. So let you know, let the young stars that rising up, you know, get the flashy KOs. I need to make sure that at the end of the day I still have the belt around my waist. And you know, I think the great champions do that. And, you know, they, they might lose a little bit of the fan base because, you know, they're not as exciting as they once were. But as long as you got that belt, you know, that's the goal. So, yeah. And that's something Askar, I think, can do. You know, his style's not always super exciting, although he has a lot of finishes. You know, his wrestling does equate himself quite well to getting submissions, uh, you know, and, you know, potentially if he gets the belt and he holds on to it, you know, maybe that changes and he plays it a little safer, doesn't go for those finishes and goes for, you know, dominating positions. But you know, he has to get there first. Um, and he has a tough test here. Brandon, you know, is going to present some problems for him, but obviously I think his wrestling is going to trump um, and make it difficult for, for Brandon. That fast, showy, exciting type of fight. If Askar can do anything about it, you know, if Brandon can stop the shots and they're standing up, it'll become a much more interesting fight. But yeah, we'll see. Right on. Mike, 
you see who's curtain jerking this card? I didn't quite notice. No, who? Mike Jackson. The man. As in the, the one who whooped Phil Brooks? You mean the one who got a no contest with Phil Brooks? That guy? Oh, <laughs> right. It got overturned, right? Hey, you, can't be, you can't be smoking that weed. It's not okay. I think that's what at it least was. Back four, at least back four or five years ago. Not in Chicago, Damn, at least. Bro, how, how you got such a gimme, gimme win taken away from you? Because you couldn't stay off the weed. I mean, he, he also then won a fight back in April here of this year uh, because he got eye gouged. I think I got DQ'd. So I don't know. I think Mike Mike Jackson intends to get every one of these UFC. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, fun, funny enough, I was thinking about Mike Jackson earlier today. Well, not Mike Jackson. I was thinking of CM Punk. And I was thinking, man, for generation of wrestling fans, they don't give a shit about CM Punk. Fuck that guy. He's the guy that got his ass whipped by Mike Jackson. I think you overestimate how many people saw UFC 225. Just putting that out there. Just put that out there. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero two card really uh, was what got the people <laughs> to the to the pay per view. Um, also on the undercard, um, Rafael Sansao. We got Misha Serkinov and Elias Alonzo Menafield. There's some, there's a couple dudes here or there. Um, not super familiar with these other guys opening the main card: Dusko Todorovic and Jordan Wright. But maybe they see something to in them. Um, all right, uh, some news that we got this week. So, Kamzat allegedly had his Russian passport seized and can't leave Russia. Um, the idea being that he's being drafted into the uh, the military because we've reached the part on Putin's plan where we're just going to send people out there to defend his terrible invasion of Ukraine. Um, this was, this story was denied by, uh, his manager. I'm going to need to see this man not in Russia to believe it. <laughs> just putting that out there wherever he is. Just, you know what? I mean, I need to see him somewhere else. Mike, I think that's reasonable. What do you think? Well, yeah, I talked about this before the podcast started. And the main thing I said, he said his manager made a, a statement. And I said, well, was this on video or was this just like an actual written statement? Because uh, until I see him with basically like a proof of life video where you can tell he's not being coerced, I'm not believing that shit. Come on. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe Kamza and his people or are you going to believe Russia who, well, over the last 10 years has invaded a sovereign nation twice? And their president was literally in the KGB. Hmm. Which guy? Which which group are you gonna believe, Bob? Yo, I, I'm a, I just want to say I'm on Kamzat's Instagram, and like my man just posts pictures with the dictator, with Ramzan Kadyrov, and then the comment section is just a internet dumpster fire, where like all I know is comment sixty is somebody saying. You must think Marvel Captain America is like the real U.S. Army. And I'm like, okay, that's what's happening on this guy's <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, I'm only bringing that up because next week, Islam Machev, who's from the same part of the world, has got to go fight for a championship. So I hope he's in San Jose. I'm just saying that right now. Um, I don't think, I think uh, Volkanovsky being um, 
And I don't think, have, I, have we mentioned this yet? Volkanovsky is the backup for um, that fight, for the Mahachev versus uh, Oliveira fight. Not on the podcast we have. Yeah, no. So that is that is the news that came out today. Sounds like, Marcus, sounds like this Volkanovsky light, uh, trying to be lightweight champion thing. Sounds like this isn't a flight of fancy. It seems like we're all kind of interested in this possibly going down. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I There are some fights at 145, but he's more or less cleared out the division to go to 155. And, you know, I don't think, you know, personally, he has to prove anything to me. Um, and get an immediate title shot. I think he it would sell. I think it'd be super interesting. And I think having him as a backup is kind of, I don't know, it's a little peculiar because, I mean, usually you don't have a champion of a division kind of in the wings potentially waiting for something like this with, uh, without, without a fight, too, because he's not on the card. It's not like he's defending or anything, so he's going to show up. Is it because he's I mean, smaller he, and they figure it wouldn't be that hard for him to make weight? Wouldn't be a, a big. I mean, that that could very well be. It's not like he has to do like a. Well, I yeah, have to imagine. You're right. Being the champion though is odd. Like, yeah, I mean, because if he's going to get fight ready potentially, you know, to go up to one fifty five, you think he would. He would want to garner a paycheck for that, right? And he, I mean, he's a big enough sell that you could, and fifty fives, you know, a deep pool of talent. They could easily put him on this card you know, fighting like someone like Dustin or something or someone else, Chandler, Gaethje, and that would have really boasted, you know, what's already a really fantastic card on paper even more. But now it seems like, you know, hopefully that doesn't fall through and he has to, you know, because I, I think that would be a little disingenuous if he has to make his jump to 155, not really knowing if he was going to make the fight or not. It, it's hard to imagine he's preparing as much as he would if he was like the main event, like he's on the card, he's not just a backup. He's so. It, I mean, he's posting on YouTube every three days, so I don't think he's really in full in real fight camp. So yeah, he's cause he's I very mean, it, much doing this outside. It's hard to imagine that he would be training as hard as he would uh, if he, if he was a guarantee like he's going to be on this card. He's planned to be. So it, it, it's all it's all very odd. If it all does go to shit, and you know Islam can't make the fight or gets injured or something, and he has to jump in and fight Oliveira, that'd be great. I think it would really suck if Oliveira got hurt and he had to fight Islam because it's like, well, he's not really the champion. Now he's kind well, of... Well, there is, there isn't a champion, technically. That's true. Uh, Even though, that, look, that, we, we that, very much, it seems like yes. every single person mm -hmm. is like, why is this different than, like, there was another incident with the champion where, like, people were far more flexible and Oliveira was like, what is, like, what, what was it different from that commission? And I guess that's the danger of the different yeah, commissions. Yeah, I, th I think if you want to go, like, lineal... You know, I think everyone's mind, Oliveira is the champion. He did not make They're going to pay him like he's champion. So I'm going to say he's the champion. If the UFC will mm -hmm. pay him for the love of God like he's the champion, it's hard to deny it. I mean, it's one of those things like if he, he didn't make weight, you know, that, that that is an important aspect of the fight game is you have to make weight, especially when you're champion. You know, those rules become even stricter where you can't be over that weight limit by a pound or anything like that. But for all intensive purposes, like I think he's the best 155er. I think he's kind of proven that. So whether he comes into the fight with the belt or not, in my eyes, he's coming in as the best 155er. So uh, that all being said, if Volkanovsky has to replace somebody and it is Oliveira and he has to fight Islam, I feel like that's a, a little disingenuous for him because I, I would like to see him when he makes his 155 debut to be fighting the champion. You don't want to be questions if he pulls it Islam off. If he pulls it off, he should be the champion. If he wins this fight on five well, days, he, no, 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 a week's notice, he should be I think he would, the unquestioned, right? he a, the undisputed People well, would have a lot of dispute, is what I'm saying. 
like about who the real well, champion is. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If, if he has to fight Oliveira and he beats him, absolutely without question, because in my eyes, Oliveira is the best 155er. If he has to fight Islam and he beats Islam, well, I'm still going to question, like, well, I do think Oliveira is the best 155er. So I want to see that fight to really solidify it. So I, I, I would like, if he's making this jump, I think it's a big jump up from 45 to 55. You know, very few people have done it. Only Connor, I believe. So I would like that to be Max tried. He tried. Yeah. And it was for an interim, um, but he failed. So it would be interesting. And I would just want it to be a genuine, like, okay, you're getting your full fight camp. You know, you're on the card. It's not going to be like, well, you know, if something happens, you get a jump in there. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't if know if they, happen, I don't know if they booked yet. The um, I don't know if it's too fast of a turnaround. It might be too fast of a turnaround, mm -hmm. but they're going to Rio um, in January, which is part of the reason everybody was so surprised with the like Jose Aldo retiring thing, by the way. Oh, we, we got to talk about some other nonsense, too, by the way, in that way. Um, oh, so I was going to say you put it on uh, if you could if, if, if Charles wins. That'd be a cool place for uh, Alex sure, to fight him. Yeah. But January 21st, I don't know, that's a, what, three months? Like a three-month turnaround? You don't really yeah, see champions doing fast. three months. You don't see a lot of champions going three months anymore. It's more like four or five months these days. The way they booked their calendar out, too. Uh, Mike. Nate Diaz out here taking pictures with uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, I I saw that. I, I love Nate, but... I really can't see Nate, you know, just being in the center of the squared circle, just cutting a promo. Oh yeah, Nate, this much, guy's got gonna, you're gonna let this guy hit you, Nate. We're gonna we're gonna say this guy beat you. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't know, buddy. Mike, you there? Oh, how you froze for a second. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still here. Okay. I internet connection. What do you think? Bit. Like, uh, if he gets like a Saudi card and makes a big check, they're going to Saudi Arabia in a month, right? Soon? At some point? Well, I, I, I figure they once had, uh, you know, a, a, a work MMA fight between uh, Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar one time for, oh, the, for the Saudis. We're 100% so doing uh, Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar in a fake wrestling match. You know, that's in a fake MMA fight. You know, that's coming. DC, by the way, guys, did a great job, I thought. Did you watch it, Mike? I, I did not, no. DC was the special referee, Marcus, in their fight pit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not sure if you saw any of it. There was a scaffolding no. area above the fight good. pit. And then uh, they were okay. fighting up there, and DC kept being like, I can't count. I can't. We, you can't win up there. Um, the, apparently, the rules were, which I wasn't clear on the rules at first. The rules of the fight pit are submission or 10 count, like, you know, like a last man standing match where you can't answer the 10 count. Mm. Presumably, there's a knockout as well. Presumably. I don't know. But it was everybody was going for like I think Riddle won with a triangle armbar ish okay. thing. Seth, yeah, I think yeah. Seth Rollins went for a Peruvian necktie in there at one point, and I'm like, man, you're asking a lot from this audience to figure out what the fuck you're doing with a Peruvian necktie there, man. Those people who watch mm -hmm. UFC every weekend will be like, what is that submission? Um. Anyway, my you know you know you think you think Nate can cash a quick check or not? Huh? What do you think? I mean, I, I hope I, I hope he can, but yeesh. I don't know if uh, the MMA audience knows who Nate Diaz is. Yeah. As, as much as it pains me audience. to say that. Um, yeah, they, that's what I meant. Sorry, they also sorry. booked, uh, for that, by the way, that Brazil card, uh, Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker just got booked today, which sounds like mm -hmm. a, just a really good time. 
in general, that fight. Sounds like it'd be fun for everybody. Um, all right. Um, did I already literally run through all the MMA news already? I'm trying to think what else is even going on. That's uh, pretty I mean, much there, it. Yeah. The there is one thing. we. Well, there's two things, then. Uh-huh. You can talk about the Reem. Okay, we'll get to the Reem in a second. There's the news. Did you see Uriah, Hill's gonna, Uriah Hall's going to beat up an NFL running back in a boxing match? You guys, you see this? No, I didn't see that. Mike, you didn't see yeah, this? I saw, I, I, no, I saw that. Why do you care? Because he was oh, a jet wait. for 20 minutes? Um, it, it's not that I care that he's a jet. It's just as a human being. It's like, dude, this isn't like an NBA guy against an NBA guy. Like, yo, Uriah Hall didn't live up to his potential in the USC, but he is still he's a not even washed. trade fighter. He's not even washed. He's like, I think he lost one fight. Like, like the, <laughs> ink, the ink is not dry on his UFC retirement papers yet. I, I was gonna, I was gonna look for the odds because I'm going to be betting heavily on uh, Uriah Hall by knockout. I mean, Marcus, I know Uriah Hall's known for uh, for those for those for kicking, but mm-hmm. I mean, the other guy looked okay. Leo, I know you're. I don't think you necessarily saw it, but Le'Veon Bell did have one boxing match against a fellow NFL player, and he uh-huh. knocked him out. Well, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. We saw what's his name went five went went the whole distance with Floyd Mayweather, Mike. Uh, what's homeboy's name? The older brother, Logan Paul. Yeah, he went full. He went full five. Right, went eight rounds with, with uh, Floyd. He didn't get knocked out. You know. I mean, yeah, he was also like fifty pounds heavier than him against a guy who's not really known All right, for we, his we're, punching we, power. We got but... minus five hundred for Uriah Hall against uh, minus yeah. five hundred seems low. I might. I mean, Mike, we need to get in on minus five hundred before it gets worse. Okay, <laughs> that's just a win, all right. By the way, I what? made my. That's I'm, just a win. That's just a win, yo. We oh, need dude, we, Uriah by knockout. Like G on that. Yeah, Are Uriah. You, me? you give me Uriah by knockout by minus three hundred or better. We, we, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bet. Yeah, that's that's a bet the bank. Yeah, I'm, by the way, I bet on Anderson against Jake Paul about a month and a half ago. Okay, back when Anderson was like mm-hmm. minus one fifty. Now it's like. Uh, minus one fifteen each. It's like a put. It's like a, a pick them, and I'm like, it's gotten the odds have gotten better. Do you know what it is? Anderson has gotten older in these two months, Mike. I think that might <laughs> be it. only getting older. I was just like, fuck. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, like, I should have waited. I'm like, I still think Anderson's gonna stretch the kid. I wonder, I wonder if this is on uh, DraftKings. I think so far everything I've seen on mine, you've seen on yours within reason. Nobody would let us bet, Mark. Now that here's the trans, this is transition material for people who, like, mm-hmm. you know, think we know what we're doing here. They wouldn't. That couldn't. Mike and I couldn't find the glory card on any of the gambling sites to bet on, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. probably for the best. Because let me tell you who I wasn't going to bet on, Mark. Yeah, no, Alistair no. Overeem. <laughs> uh, you watched it. The Reem is the number one mm-hmm. contender, I guess, because oh, he decided <laughs> for the glory mm-hmm. heavyweight championship. He knocked out Hari in the third. Mm, he got two knockdowns in the third and one decision. Yeah, of it. it is a pick 'em fight. It's <laughs> Jake Paul and Anderson. Mike's so. like, I'm gonna bet on Anderson. They're both, right. they're both minus one ten. Yeah, I'm betting like two hundred bucks on Anderson <laughs> right fucking now. Okay, <laughs> that's um, Marcus. What did you think of the Ream? Mm-hmm. How did he do? Um, I mean, honestly, he won, but there's lots of things to be concerned about. Um, and I think a fight with Rico is not going to go his way. Uh, he was making some really rudimentary errors that Batahari wasn't able to capitalize on. 
And ultimately, you know, Reem did win. Uh, the first round was Badahari's. Reem's output was was fairly light throughout the first two rounds. They gave Badahari, and this is what the nice thing about Glory is they do an open scoring. So we knew going into the third, uh, Reem was down two rounds, except for on one judge's card where he gave Reem the second round. And I kind of thought Reem should have got the second round too. Uh, Badahari's output was higher, but Reem hit him with an uppercut that basically was a down. It stumbled Badahari, and one of his gloves touched the ground. It should have been counted as a knockdown, and it was the best punch so far in the fight. So I was like, that clearly should have been his round. Like his, I mean, maybe he didn't output as much, but he didn't get nearly his damage. I mean, Badahari was on skates for a second. So that all being said, in the third, uh, Reem was able to get you know in the pocket and throw some really tight right hooks that really just messed Badahari up. And I, I think really at this point, Badahari's I'm not even going to say Chim, his temple, his head is is his ability to take damage has significantly decreased. He got tagged hard once by Reem, and it was kind of he couldn't really pull it back. That being said, in the third round when he was getting hurt and got dropped twice, he was firing a bit more and with a bit more aggression, and he was landing some good shots on Reem. So you have to give props to Reem. In the first round, he got hit with a clean shot. He took it really well. He got hit with some good body shots. He took them well. He didn't get – there was no point in this fight where it seemed like he was really rocked, but the big mistake he was making was he was ducking – he was dropping his head, covering up, and looking straight to the ground. He was – very open for upper, uppercuts or high knees, uh, which Badahari just didn't really put together and, and capitalize on. And ultimately, you know, Reem won the fight. Uh, and I was thankful that he didn't get seriously hurt. But, you know, yeah, he called out Rico. He said he's the, you know, he's the best guy in glory. I, I do feel like Rico is going to be able to capitalize on those huge mistakes that he was making. Did, unless, did you watch any of Rico's <laughs> fights with Bader? Did you watch either of those? I didn't. I'll be uh, honest. I, I did a, a long time ago. They they were good. I mean, Badahari is a very destructive, dangerous fighter, but it does seem in these later years that one he he hasn't been able to find those openings as easily as he did earlier in his career, and it does seem in, you know, case in point with this fight, later into the round he becomes more susceptible to taking the big hit and he seems like he has a lack of ability to really recover from those shots. So he, um yeah i don't i mean but also rico is such a like technical fighter like he doesn't like mm -hmm. he almost gets he gets criticism for not being you know mm -hmm. we talked about it earlier like he's risk averse at times um but he also mm -hmm. isn't out there you know i mean he's a kickboxer he has power they all have power but he's not out there throwing one hitter quitters very often you know as a heavyweight champion so mm -hmm. mike are you at all familiar with Bader hari not even one little bit. I think you would enjoy watching some of his stuff, man. I think the, just the fights with Reem alone. Botter also has such a cult following, and he's been arrested so many times. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and really, just a lot of mistakes. Le and the whole legal issues section, like, there's a lot of getting arrested for... Yeah, in the it, beginning of this fight, there was probably like four, 30, 30 seconds to a minute where the announcer was like, everyone get in your seats for your own safety. We will not start the fight. And cause like there's been multiple times after enduring his fights, like riots break out yeah. because I, I don't know what it is. People that's not even on him. The guy. Like, it's just people are having like riots. It feels like, yeah. And they just want to get in. He, he, he brings the chaos to such a degree that other people in the audience wants to fight. So like, yeah, for the first minute of this fight, it was just like the announcer being like, yo, everyone sit the fuck down because we're not going to start until you sit down, which was, which was odd, but um, 
yeah, you know, it, it was it was a it was an interesting fight. I'm you know, and at the end, I'm just glad, honestly, that like Reem didn't take a lot of damage. He's 42. He's had a lot of really bad knockouts. It's I'm kind of worried about him. I, I, I continuing don't, I his don't career, like that fight but... for him and Rico. I almost think it would be yeah. better for him just lose this one and be done with it. Botter probably shouldn't fight. Like yeah, like Botter in his last five fight, four, six fights, has got two no contests and four losses, and all four losses are. Mm-hmm. Oh, he got decision. He's getting hit. Well, he's getting hit. before yeah. that, like before this stretch, like you know, like he was he was awesome. Like he was an awesome, awesome fighter. He was he hadn't lost in fucking quite some time. He took a serious person to be Bader Hardy, but he's old now. He's thirty seven. Jesus, thirty seven. Okay. Thirty seven. But he's had one hundred and twenty five fights. Yeah, like that's a lot. He has you know and barely fought the last few years. But the story with him and Reem is good also because, like, when Reem, the first time they fought, Reem was getting a lot of disrespect. Reem still doesn't get a lot of credit from the kickboxing community because he's not viewed mm-hmm. as one of them. Um, And, like, he beat Bader Hari the first time they fought, didn't he? He, mm-hmm. he beat yeah. him. He, he knocked him out. The first time it was fucking incredible. Um, and the second one, he got knocked out, right, with the wheel kick? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, and then they came back and did it again. Um, I was, K1 would be so cool if people got behind it in this country. Just saying. Um, you know, I need more Americans. Really, that seems to be the problem, huh, Marcus? Just need some Americans to root for. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of dominated by you know the Netherlands mostly. Um, you know, honestly, can't, and, and and the heavier weight divisions, right? Uh, you know, and then I mean, when you go into the, the lighter weight divisions, I mean, K1 Max was you know on another level, um, and I don't really think Glory goes that light. Uh, it, it does seem like one's kind of picking that up because they have kickboxing and Muay Thai divisions and Glo- obviously the ties. I was worried about Glories. Well, one, by the way, one, the story came out, one is losing money at impressive levels. And no. Shit. Oh, but also, Chotney would go out there and say these things aren't true. But like this time, people have him signing the financial statements, like his signature on them, talking about the $100 million they lost. Like, I don't know. My working theory this much of one has been this whole time is this is just some sort of money laundering operation because I'm a paranoid person. This isn't a serious accusation. This is just me just being paranoid about these things and assuming things, but you can't just keep losing money. You know, at least they're growing. You can't lose money and not grow. At least they're growing. You know what I mean? How can you be growing if you've lost $100 million? You just, you know, you just, it's a shell game. You're just moving this money there, that money there. You're just kicking the money out down the road. Um, yeah, um, I lost what I was saying about the kickboxing thing, but you know, it's interesting though. I was saying, yeah, it's interesting where you get like a certain countries where like this is their martial art, this is their combat sport. And I was talking to one of uh, to one of our coworkers, uh, Junior, who's been on the podcast, where I was like, uh, "Who's the best Ukrainian MMA fighter ever? Is it Igor? Probably." Because I was thinking, there's no way it's Igor Vachanchin. Because I mean, not that Igor wasn't good, it's just. Igor stopped fighting, what, 16 years ago? Yeah, what, like, he hasn't like been relevant for a very yeah. long time, yeah. And he was like, probably Igor, or like right now it's Nikita Krylov. You know, if you think about the button, like, you think mm. about that's MMA, but Ukrainians in boxing, the heavyweight champion of the world is sure, Ukrainian. Yeah. Uh, Lomachenko, the Klitschko brothers, like, b- boxing, is like, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it's the same way that like probably boxing in Mexico, you know, shit like that too, but like... Mm-hmm. Why this whole thing where the UFC shows up to your country, they really want to sell some stuff. Maybe they should go. To, have they been to the Ukraine? 
I mean, now's not the time to go. So. But, uh, <laughs> probably not going to go anytime soon. Not that this week is. I'm not saying this month, but uh, oh, you're out there kissing dictator asses. Maybe not. Um, all right. Do we have any fights from the past? You know, any blasts from the past? Always. Anybody's got one. I got any. Uh, Mike, do you got, I've got one? A, I've got a quick one. Okay. And it's literally for the last 30 seconds of the fight. Not to say the fight wasn't good in its entirety, but uh, UFC 199, Max Holloway versus Ricardo, Ricardo Lamas. Um, it was a very good fight. A lot of good stand-up uh, in um, all five of the rounds. But that fight is iconic for this reason. In the last 30 to 20 seconds, Max Holloway and Ricardo Lamas were in the center of the octagon. Max Holloway pointed down to the center the international sign of motherfucker we're staying right here and we're swinging away ricardo lamas accepted and true to both their words for the last 20 seconds or so of the fight they just started wailing at each other they they barely moved none of them none of them backed away and it was an amazing moment it probably won't be great for the CTE that they've both accrued from the result of that little exchange. But for us, the viewing audience, it was a very memorable moment. So if you've never watched Max Holloway versus Ricardo Lamas, you should give it a give it a look. That was a good one. Um, Marcus, what do you got? Yeah, this week I was going to talk about uh, the pride debut of Murillo uh, Ninja Hua versus uh, Daijiro Matsui. We talked about Matsui before uh, when he fought Bob Schreiber. Uh, I mean, I don't think journeyman is even fair. I mean, you go look at this guy's record. It's it's abysmal. Uh, but always game, very durable opponent, um, and kind of like a, was a Kingsbury to talk about. A, a guy you can really style on. You know, like when he takes a beating, the guy beating on him really gets to showcase his skills. And what was interesting about this fight is at the time, Marilla was kind of the new generation coming up. Uh, and we see these generational kind of gaps and new ways of fighters every now and then. I think we're currently seeing that in the UFC with a lot of the young talent coming up uh, and starting to dethrone uh, a lot of the, you know, kind of established names that we've been familiar with for the years past. Yeah, but Marilla was kind of the the new kid on the block from shoot a box. Uh, Dajira Matsui was a mainstay. You know, at Pride, part of the uh, Sakuraba gym, you know, very uh, decent submission grappler. But, you know, Shootabox was really coming in a, in of its own at this point. I think Sakuraba had just lost to Vanderlei. Uh, and this was just a fun fight. And I think some some fun facts, besides it just being an action-packed fight, I mean, from bell to bell, these guys kind of went at it. And, I mean, we can criticize Matsui for not getting a lot of Ws, but there's no lack of will in this guy. He gives it his all in pretty much all of his fights. In this fight, he was really going after it. Uh, earlier on, Marilla was showcasing a lot of his, you know, high-level grappling, a lot of submission attempts, That something that Matsui is very capable of defending and getting around. Uh, and then I think in the later half of the round, Marilla really just started putting the violence on it and started uti utilizing a lot more striking, especially as Matsui was a downed opponent, a lot more stomps and kicks. And that's ultimately what ended the fight. But a little fun fact, and, and this one makes it kind of interesting, is, and I've talked about before, in some of these earlier Pride cards, they had Matt Hume, who was a judge, commentate. And this was, I think, the first time they had Matt Hume on. And a really fun fight to watch to kind of 
see the the inner workings of a judge and how they're looking at the fight because there was multiple times where Matsui was in trouble, but he would reverse the position and get on top and and flurry a little bit. And, and Matt would, you know, keep everything grounded and be like, oh, you know, that was a great reversal by Matsui. But we have to recognize Marillo was in a better position when Matsui reversed him, right? He would have his, he would be mounted or he would have his back. And that's when Matsui would scramble and, you know, get into uh, Marillo's guard. So he would say like, you know, while, you know, Matsui showing some great escapes, Marillo's beating him on the feet. He's beating him on the ground. He's getting better positions. Uh, he's overall still winning the fight. And obviously, it, you know, the fight was finished, so it didn't go to the judges. But it was really one of those, for me, a really interesting fight to have a judge in the booth kind of explaining how you're analyzing not only how the fights are scored, but how you're, you know, assessing the fight as it's happening in real time. So I thought that was really a fun you know, getting into MMA, it was a really interesting look to have someone like Hume break it down. And just, I mean, again, another guy who's really articulate, who's really to the point, uh, really understands the fight game. And uh, it was a fun match in and of itself. But that was an extra wrinkle that kind of made it, you know, a, a very interesting and educational fight early on. So, yeah, I definitely recommend you can find that one uh, on YouTube. This was part of uh, Pride 16. I think it was bad to the bone no it was called collision now what, what was what was the stupid name for this one was this beast from the east they all had yes this was beast from the east uh so this one was significant because it was actually you know a couple weeks after 9 11 uh and there's a couple of uh u.s fighters on there that you know guy Metzger was on there he unfortunately didn't win against ricardo arona even though it was a very close fight uh don fry was the only one that won uh, but he fought against Gilbert Ivel and he won by DQ from eye gouging. So another like weird, but that was also one where Fry came out with the flag and uh, he talked about it later that, you know, he's not like one of these hippies that just carries the flag on his shoulders. He has some gosh darn respect for the flag. So he put that motherfucker on a pole I remember and you this. bring the pole out <laughs> I remember and you this. put the pole out and then you know, he put his hand on it over his heart and he, I don't know. I, I don't know if they did the Pledge of Allegiance or the, the the anthem or whatever, but it was very emotional. Um, you could tell that you know it was very fresh on people's minds, and and Fry is you know he, he fights often with you know the American flag as his shorts. Unfortunately, his fight with Gilbert Ivel was like a complete shit show, where it was just like Ivel was just constantly gouging his eyes and holding the ropes and doing whatever he could not to go to the ground. But um, yeah, the 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 Murillo uh, Ninja Hua fight and the Jiro Matsui was just like. In, awesome exciting match lots of violence lots of the the soccer kicks and head stomps that you know pride really became famous for and uh and another one where you know we just saw matsui like what a tough durable guy you know couldn't get a lot of the w's but like always puts on a show so yeah check that one out um all right i got one um from ufc 79 um mm. You know what I'm that, I think that one's it's on, right? I don't know if it has a name. Is it, is it, is it, is it, UFC 79 oh, Nemesis. Nemesis. Oh, okay. Okay. Because it was two guys, it was headlined by two fights where the guys were facing their rivals. Uh, the main event being uh, for the Welterweight Championship, George St. Pierre versus Matt Hughes, the third one? Probably. The one we got him with the arm bar was the third one or the second one? Yeah, I don't remember. I honestly yeah. couldn't tell you. Either second or third one, because the first one GSP lost. This one GSP won <laughs> by armbar. I'm talking about the co-main event, Chuck Liddell versus Vanderlei Silva. And Mark's going to help me out here a bit also, but people need to appreciate how much effort went into making this fight happen. 
and the different times it couldn't happen and didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark talked about pride a bunch. Um, we always talk about everybody's always asking for the UFC to co-promote with somebody. Unless you know, we got to co-promote, and and you know what? It fucking happened once on some level. Mm-hmm. Maybe not co-promote, but they sent Chuck Liddell to Pride uh, to compete in the 2003 Pride Middleweight Grand Prix. They sent him out mm-hmm. there first in August. And the end game for everybody was Chuck Liddell versus Vanderlei Silva. Let's be clear about this. Even then, that was that was what we were going for here. Chuck Liddell versus Vanderlei Silva. Uh, Chuck, they sent Chuck in August 2003. Chuck knocked out Overeem. It's great. It's one of the more famous Overeem gets knocked out ones. Um, 2000 goddamn three. He was very skinny back then. This is Overeem at 200 and mm-hmm. was it 205 in Pride or was it like 203 mm-hmm. or something? Or it was 205. 205 exactly. Okay. And then um, on the other side of the bracket, uh, then he came back in November for Pride Final Conflict 2003, where one side of the bracket, we had Chuck Liddell versus Quentin Jackson. And on the other side, we had Vanderlei Silva versus Hideyoki, Hide, Hide, Hidehiko Yoshida in a matchmaking, which very much seemed to indicate that we wanted Vanderlei to win this fight. Just my two cents. Um Unfortunately, Quentin Jackson had other plans. Didn't give us the matchup we wanted. Beat Chuck's ass for 13 minutes. So couldn't do the fight then. UFC buys a whole buys pride. You know what? We got uh we we're, we're gonna try to do, you know, I think I think it was lining up well too, right, Marcus? We were gonna have Vanderlei was still there, light heavyweight champion. Chuck was the no no, we let me, let me get to the end here. Mm-hmm. Chuck was the UFC lightweight champion. Final pride event. Vanderlei gets knocked the fuck out. Loses that championship, right? To Dan Henderson. Mm-hmm. Chuck Liddell has to defend that title before we get to book that Vanderlei fight. Well, he gets knocked out by Quentin Jackson again. Um, somewhere in the middle there, they tried to book it another time too, right, Marcus? They were like Chuck Vanderlei was in the cage face-to-face with Chuck. And uh, where Vanderlei in his broken English said he was, instead of saying, I'm going to fuck you up, he said, I'm going to fuck you. Um, there's that one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, though, we got this fight to happen. It happens in December of 2007. Literally, the last fight Chuck Liddell won was against Vanderlei Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanderlei Silva was coming into that fight uh, off of losing that title uh, 10 months earlier to Dan Henderson in Pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two guys beat the shit out of each other. We just threw hands for three rounds. Um I want to say, I think Chuck won all three rounds, 30-27 on both. Oh, two scorecards, 30-27. One of them gave Vanderlei one round. Mm-hmm. Still got, we still got what we wanted. Maybe not with the stakes we wanted, Marcus, and not, you know, but still a classic fight between two of probably the best of that era, right up there with, you know, Shogun and, you know, guys like that. For sure. Yeah, it was always a interesting matchup, you know, when you have someone like Chuck that was such a, talented and you know sniper-esque kind of counterpuncher versus someone like Vanderlei who's kind of a berserker who's super aggressive and you know really can overwhelm his opponents to see how those two would match up it wasn't too surprising at the time that you know when they did fight that Chuck was able to get the W just because stylistically it always seemed like he would kind of have the attributes that would give Vanderlei a lot of trouble you know he didn't get bullied in the clinch he was very good at you know kind of controlling the distance and finding a home for his his right straight his overhand right and his left hook 
So yeah, in that fight, it, it did seem a lot of times like Vanderlei had some trouble getting in on the inside into that range where he can really utilize the hooks and the uppercuts. Um, yeah, and, and it was one of those things like it, their best days seem to have passed them. They've both had other fighters kind of surpass them. They didn't seem to be like the echelon of the weight division anymore, but it was still a really, you know, highly anticipated fight and it delivered. This was it. It also was one of those fights before Randall like, fixed his face and did the surgery to try to fix his face because mm-hmm. his face was f- just mush at this point. Like it was mm-hmm. just mushed in his face entirely. I don't think he could breathe out of his nose at all by this point. Um, yeah. That's why Vanity looks so different, quite frankly, now than he used to. Just because he had yeah, to. and it wasn't just that you know he just he just lost to Dan Henderson. He was also part of the open weight tournament where he fought Krokop. That was and Krokop <sighs> demolished him with a high kick, and that was a really brutal fight where he took a lot of damage too. So the writing was kind of on the wall for both guys, where it just seemed like they're not quite as durable as they used to be. But they both showed a lot of durability in this fight. You know, they they couldn't finish each other. They both took a lot of you know big shots in this one. But but yeah, still, it, it, and we've seen it time and time again. We're like. The, the timing of it maybe wasn't the best, but we still wanted to see what would happen, and it delivered. Yeah, this is also the uh, second Chuck Liddell fight we have on our card here, uh, on our list here that we've recommended. The other one was Chuck Liddell getting beat up by Quentin Jackson uh, in UFC 71. Um, I think that was, I think Matsui hasn't been on officially because we didn't actually pick the Bob yeah, Schreiber we, fight. We talked about the Bob Schreiber fight quite a lot, and it is very good. We're not officially. Bob Schreiber. <laughs> we got a couple people with two appearances. Jose Aldo's on here twice. Nate Diaz is on. Oh, Nate Diaz is only on here twice. Once. Connor's on here twice. Quentin Jackson's on here twice. Tell where a lot of our fandom lied back then. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, I think stuff we like, boys. Um, Mike, why don't you go first? Yeah, I can go first. I would have said this one last week uh, had I not had a work thing that kept me from joining the podcast, uh, considering it worked out perfectly since October 3rd, uh, 2002 is when one of the greatest animes uh, premiered, uh, Naruto. So it was it's celebrating uh, its 20 year anniversary since the anime first came out. Uh, this would be one of those times that would be nice if Steph was still on the podcast because he would be nodding along with me. But um, it was just nice to reminisce, Dave. Uh, uh, Shonen Jump and Naruto um, publication have just come out with a lot of nice little tributes, nice little uh, different artwork. They officially came out with a 10-minute video that spans... Uh, all of Naruto and its sequel series, Naruto Shippuden, with uh, redrawn animations from some of the seminal moments from the show. I think I've talked about Naruto a few times over the last decade or so. I think probably mentioned that stuff we like when the manga ended back in 2014. Then prob- I think, I believe, one of the most tweeted and liked uh, it's an amazing tweets was from the day that uh, Naruto ended and I put a tweet up. So, you know, little claims to fame when it comes to it's an amazing Twitter account. What's up? Uh, was it Marcus Brimage? Uh, was it Marcus Brimage that who, who retweeted us that one time? He, Mark, Marcus Brimage used to just talk to us. It was nice of him. He was respond. I would remember Rampage was losing to Ryan Bader and I was going back and forth with uh, Marcus Brimage like, yo, this sucks. And he's like, I know. 
And I'm like, okay, we're on the same page here about this sucking. Good to know. <laughs> shout, shout out, shout out to Marcus Brimage. But uh, if any of you have never watched Naruto, you know maybe uh, it's celebrating 20 years on the planet as an anime is a uh, is a good time for you guys to to visit it. Um, I got a real quick one. Um, I watched due to the due to a close contact situation thing. I spent a lot of time in my house this weekend, and I watched the entire WWE Extreme Rules pay per view. And um, I don't really. I thought it was a really good show. I don't know. I don't know whatever general opinion is. I don't. I wasn't a hundred percent in the loop on all the storylines because a lot of my WWE consumption is just like stuff I see on Squared Circle or Twitter. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the loop on Sami Zayn being the most entertaining thing on wrestling, which, you know, those of us on the Sami Zayn hype train have known this for years. Um, but, no, I um, the stuff that they did teasing the return of Bray Wyatt, while at no point anybody with a brain thought it was anybody else, I thought it was really cool. All that White Rabbit stuff, uh, having, uh, leaving, like, Dave Marcus, they were doing stuff like leaving flyers on people's people's uh, people's cars in the parking lot with like okay. it's like the QR code and like stuff like that where it mm. up. they were having people and like the white rabbit was like a symbol that you would just see different places on the TV show like follow the white rabbit this is you know mm-hmm. at least someone, and then like they did like um there was just a dudes in big giant white bunny costumes walking throughout the arena at times the past couple shows honestly it was type of stuff that I was just like man it's kind of cool that Triple H is in charge and he would just like recognize that even if he doesn't get it that like Bray Wyatt is a talented creative individual that you're like fuck it man let's see what he can do like if we're gonna commit if we're gonna commit to this guy and bring him in and he wants to be this character he has a vision for it more than we do probably let's see if it works you know you got to reel him in on some level but I thought it was really cool I like that they kind of went through his entire history with a lot of the references with the different characters I thought I didn't catch it at first. Uh, Mike, have you seen this now at this point? His return? I haven't yet. No. Okay. There's a part where like there's like a white light and like a closed door that he comes through. And I didn't catch it at first, but everybody's like, well, that's literally the same way Brody debuted. Brody debuted the same way Brody debuted in AEW was with a white light background blue thing, making reference to his buddy who passed away. That was really sweet. I like that he at the end he had no mask and he just looked like Bray Wyatt and he had the lantern and I was just like, fuck yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what he's honestly like. I'm I don't watch the show regularly. I don't know if he did anything tonight, Monday. Quite frankly, is never going to be a time where it's good for me to watch wrestling because you know we have this show. But I would be interested in seeing where he goes with this. I've been a very big Bray Wyatt fan a long time. I've always thought that he could very much just be their guy, like their Undertaker, which is hard to replicate. That a man with a 30-year reign as the man. But it's like being your spooky, fantastical character that doesn't need to be champion. He does not need to fight for the belt. He has no... Why would he want to fight for the belt? You know, what about this character says, I want to be the sporting champion of this? You know what I mean? I don't think he... That was the mistake I felt in the last iteration of his character where I'm like, why would this fucking monster give two shits about the belt? You know what I mean? Like, why would he care at all? You know? Um... I think he's just a supremely talented guy. And I didn't think when he was a free agent, AEW was the best idea for him just because 
I don't know. It just felt like they don't have, they're not there. They make great strides in their production, but I think WWE still is the class of that, quite frankly. Um, and I just don't know. I mean, what I didn't know if anywhere was the right place for him with Vince in charge, but if Triple H is going to let him do what he wants to do and really just give him the budget, I think that it would be, and then let him do long-term storytelling and stuff and let's have him win a little bit. That was the problem, like, the first time around, the first round around with him when he was just, the, like, the cult leader. He just kept losing. And it's like, you can't have a believable, like, you got to win some when you're a bad guy. You can't lose every feud. Like, that's a problem. I mean, you, you remember when he got, what was it? One of his last matches was where he just got jobbed out of the Universal title by a, by a returning uh, Roman Reigns, wasn't it? Goldberg. Well, there was the Goldberg. Was Goldberg? The Goldberg was the bad one. The girl Goldberg is when the, the couple things. The fiend went off the rails between the Hell in a Cell. Where they, here's the problem, man. They couldn't. They shouldn't have put him near the title. He just really couldn't have put him near the title. He's not. He doesn't need to be the champion because he was an unkillable monster. What the? F how's this gonna work? Old man Goldberg is gonna throw three spears at him and jackhammer him, and we're gonna believe like that's what did it. You know, like anyway. I think I think I just really like the whole thing, the whole reveal. I've, I've been paying attention to their build up to it. I appreciate when they don't, when they respect their audience enough in wrestling to actually be like, maybe their attention span is longer than that of a German, like you know, than that of a dog. Maybe they'll remember stuff week to week. That's why I liked the. Um, that's why I think we all liked Mike the Hangman story, where like it took two years yes. to pay off, and we all were on board. So I thought that was really well done. So that was it for me. I thought that pay-per-view was fine. Liv Morgan should have beaten Ronda Rousey. But besides the, you know, that, I thought the Bray Wyatt stuff was excellent. Did did I see that his stable, his new stable is basically going to include all his old, like his old character, The Fiend, and the characters I, from I his Firefly Funhouse? I couldn't tell if that meant it was going to be his, his stable or he's just going to be like Eddie Murphy in this bitch. But then, like, they're saying that they might have rehired his brother. And then Steph's guess, he thinks that Liv Morgan is going to join and they're going to have, like, a whole ass stable there. Which I'm like, that'd be cool, too, man. Perhaps think, that's why they took the title off of her? Well, I think you just, they weren't going to let her beat Ronda three times. I think that, I think it was a simple math equation at a certain point. Um, those two women do not know how to work a baseball bat because they were swinging like Sammy Sosa multiple times and it did not look like it hurt that much <laughs> like it was and then they were doing love taps it was very strange so much of a practice with the baseball bat that's what i got this week marcus what do you got <laughs> uh it's got a couple things uh one i did want to mention even though you know it didn't come out this week uh the closed beta for street fighter 6 uh happened during this weekend and as a big Street Fighter fan uh and when they announced Street Fighter 6 my initially i was a little taken back i didn't from the jump really liked the visual style they went for i quickly got used to that um and more important than how i felt the you know fighting game community really got behind street fighter 6 you know w when it was uh, first announced and as they've been drip feeding the new characters and fighting systems and showing video and you know this was the first beta that you know people really got to spend extended time in and a lot of people have been really impressed they are really doing a lot more with this game than you would normally do with a fighting game. You're making an avatar. There's a whole hub world where, I mean, it all, you know, having an avatar and having this hub world where you're doing like emotes and you see other people online and 
this, that, and the other. I mean, I do understand ultimately this is a way for them to generate more money by selling more cosmetics to make your avatar look cool and do your different, you know, greetings and stuff. But like, it's still very interesting that Capcom decided to put this much effort and money behind the game, you know, just outside of the core gameplay of just fighting people. Um, and luckily, that aspect of the game seems to be really polished and really interesting and has really gotten the community behind it. Which is great. Um, you know, I'm a big Street Fighter fan. I personally really liked Five, even from the jump, where it was very feature light. Uh, I just enjoyed the gameplay, and this looks like a lot of the criticism that that, that game had from from its feature sets, also just how it played and how you know there wasn't a lot of kind of crazy stuff you could do with the characters. I think all those criticisms were really taken to heart. The new directors of the game basically started taking over the series at the tail end of Street Fighter Five. And people were a lot more excited with the characters they announced, the abilities they had, the amount of options they had in fights. And it seems like that has just steamrolled into Street Fighter VI. And everyone just seems super jazzed. So I'm really excited, um, you know, that it really got, you know, the shot in the arm that it seemed seemed to need. And it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the game kind of comes out. You know, this was really just looking at, like, the battle hub and kind of the online features. And there's going to be a whole kind of world tour mode where you're kind of running around a city and doing that stuff so it'll be interesting to see how like the single player stuff comes along but so far it's been looking fantastic uh so i'm really excited about that and it was really fun to watch a lot of people play that so outside of the beta this last week i think on thursday uh netflix released the midnight club and this is the newest series from mike mike flanagan who did the house on haunted hill bly manor and midnight mass and those were all really fantastic kind of horror drama shows that i thoroughly enjoyed i mean i think mike flanagan has become one of those creators that you know whatever project he's going to be involved in i'm instantly interested in because the quality has been so high it's been so interesting and the midnight club is a really interesting series in that you know it is still a horror series but the main focal point is on this kind of this hospice house for kids, you know, teenagers with terminal cancer or diseases. And I haven't, we haven't finished the series yet. We almost binged all of it on Sunday. Um, it's 10 episode series they are about an hour long. Um, we finished the first eight. And what's interesting is I, I think the subject manner of, you know, highlighting these kids that, you know, are basically going to die. They have, you know, cancer and these terminal illnesses that are going to ultimately take their lives uh it could be a really touchy subject there's a lot of things they could have done wrong but they do everything right in that regard when it comes to the actual character development and how those characters are portrayed and how they act and the the issues that they kind of bring up with one of the kids has aids and there's a religious kid and they're back and forth so I think I broke up there for a sec. Their, their back and forth has been really, you know, treated very well and with a lot of respect and, you know, a lot of real emotion and realistic, you know, conversations and outcomes. And I think the thing that has been a little underbaked so far, and I'm interested to see how they wrap it up, is kind of the, the, the ghost aspect. It doesn't really, I feel like that stuff has been like the weakest part and almost not even necessary uh, to really get across the show. But I think in, Another thing that kind of makes this interesting is that, you know, outside of Mike Flanagan's ability to just have like these interesting dynamics with these kids and what they're going through in this hospice house 
is i mean this show is basically like are you afraid of the dark for 2022 like they're called the midnight club they literally meet at midnight and tell like haunted stories and when they're telling the stories they have actors portraying the characters i mean it's straight out of are you afraid of the dark and and those those stories are really interesting and well done and you can obviously tell there's a lot of influence from that show uh so i've really been enjoying it it's been a fantastic watch you know i think of flanagan shows i think the first one house on haunted hill still might be one of his best i thought bly manor might have been one of the weaker ones i thought midnight mass was really really interesting what a like fantastic interesting fun show that was um and then midnight club's right up there again like i want to see how they conclude it because so far the kind of haunting thing hasn't really been explained. It hasn't been nearly developed as much as these different characters, which I'm actually fine with because I think that stuff has been stronger than like playing up the, the spookums, but I've really enjoyed the show. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. Especially if you, if you haven't seen any of Mike Flanagan's stuff, it's all on Netflix. Um, House on Haunted Hill is, I mean, that's a show that in and of itself is really fun, but once you watch it, it's, it's worthy of a rewatch. There's lots of little Easter eggs you pick up on. And then Midnight Mass is another fantastic one that came out, I think, last year. So, uh, yeah, definitely recommend, recommend that stuff. Did we talk about Hocus Pocus 2? No, I still haven't seen it. it, it it's on my to-do. But I've heard have not, not great, but I also didn't care about the first Hocus Pocus. So, I don't know. Maybe that's, are you, were you a Hocus Pocus person when you were a kid? I, I watched Hocus Pocus quite a bit as a kid. I was never, like, insanely crazy about it, but I always thought it was fun. And I'm interested in this second one. I, the only... I've heard some, there's been some visual aspects of the movie that don't look so great, but otherwise I heard, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously the, the four actresses repra- repraising the roles of the witches, I think I heard did fairly well. I think the new cast has been interesting. So I'm interested to watch. I just haven't gone around to it yet. Yeah. The four are, I, I, I watched it. Okay. It's... okay. Yeah. yeah, boy. <laughs> there's four. I thought there's three of them. No, three, he's also three t- there's three the Sanderson sisters and the zombie mm-hmm. come back. Okay, okay. And the zombie is uh, uh, shit. I don't know, man. It's a fucking zombie. Billy Butcherson. No, it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Isn't that the guy from fucking uh, the boys? That's just I don't know. That's, he's all that's, zombie. That's William the Butcher. Something. That's probably fair enough. Um, but what's her name's in it? This one, um, Rebecca from Ted Lasso. Can we get a Ted Lasso trailer? That's right. Can I just get a Ted Lasso trailer? That's all I'm asking for. I mean, is it even do they have a date or anything? I don't know, but I know it was a year ago, the last season. Because I, be I believe I believe there have been some delays in film. Did you get to use did you did you pull the trigger on your six month PlayStation thing? Or that thing probably expired at this point, huh? The six month Apple TV thing that was came with the no, PlayStation I, 5. I, I, I don't I think did. I did, no. I think it expired at the end of July. I think we all thought, well, Ted Lasso will at least be close to being back by then. Um All right. Okay. Well, we will be back next week where we're going to excitedly make our picks for UFC 280 280 um where we will be picking real talk at least 7 that I can count here jeez main card we got Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady on the undercard and Nikita Krylov versus Volkan Ozdemir on the undercard like what are we supposed to do this, this is loaded. Just completely loaded. So we're going to see some movement. Um, man, Benil Darius should not have agreed to fight man, a Gamrod. I'm just putting that out there right now. It's a risky-ass fight. Um, all right, until then, 
I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. We had a full squad back this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, maybe, maybe you know, watch this UFC card this weekend. Or maybe don't. You're, you know, your life. Sure. All right. Peace out. <laughs> See ya. Peace. All right. Mike, wh- why are we not buying this tabletop thing? It's half off. Look, look man. I, I, I ain't got it. At least I ain't got it for a super frivolous purchase like that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're say, betting two grand on uh, Anderson, though. <laughs> I, when you win that I money. Say, oh, I say that, they, they just buy another pair of Jordans. All right. Two days ago. Next week, I'll convince Mike to buy something. Until then. <laughs>